You're about to get insider access to cannabis industry experts, entrepreneurs, activists, and living legends. Meet the people who live and blaze this life every day and are about to change the world. Now your host, the founder of Blazin Bakery, New Jersey's first edibles company with over a decade of national advocacy, sales, connections, and adventures behind her. A true trailblazer in cannabis. This is Trailblazing with Tiramisu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trailblazing with Tiramisu, the podcast where we try to put a little fun back in cannabis while sharing a little insider wisdom and chatting with some amazing guests. Today, we have former defensive lineman Cullen Jenkins. He went from an undrafted free agent in 2003 and spent 13 amazing years playing in the NFL, including a Super Bowl win in 2010, Super Bowl 45, as a Green Bay Packer. Um, Over his career, he has played for the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, and the Washington Redskins, and he's recently become an owner of Fresh Farm CBD and is now trying to convert and spread the word of this wonderful alternative treatment for pain. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Cullen Jenkins. Thank you for having me. Did, I, I will admit I am not a huge football fan. Did I get that all right? Uh, yes, you did. Okay, because right. I, I spent a little time researching last night. And I was like, all right, I think I nailed it. Um, okay, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. So um, just a couple things I want to talk about. So I know you've had a lot of injuries over the years. So can you kind of start with, you know, what what it's like playing in the NFL and constantly kind of living in the state of tolerating pain? I, I, from a young age, you know, when you're playing, you're just taught to deal with pain. You're taught, you know, you suck it up, you don't show it, mm-hmm. um, because showing pain, especially in football, is a sign of weakness. So that's just not something you're supposed to do. And so as you, you know, especially when you get older and you get to higher levels of playing, you know, the pain becomes a lot more severe because you've got guys that are a lot bigger, a lot faster, a lot stronger. And, you know, especially when it becomes your job, like you have to perform or you're, you know, you're going to lose your job. So you just have to find ways to, you know, not show the pain and, and be able to fight through it. And I've heard some of the way that NFL deals with this is just pushing painkillers, right? Yeah, you get a lot of uh, a lot of pills, uh, a lot of anti-inflammatories. Uh, you know, it depends on you know the extent of your injuries, especially you know back before. Now you know currently or towards you know the end of my career, they started to monitor it a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, not just try to give them out as freely as they used to. Well, that's why I, I heard that pe- trainers would just have them in their bags and just, like, hand them out. Is is that true? And is that even legal? It used to be legal. Uh, trainers would fly. They would have a bag of everything. So at the end of games, whatever you needed. You oh, know, my you, God. You could go to the doctor and the plane and, uh, <laughs> and you could get whatever you wanted. The training staff would have the pills in their safe, you know, in a safe in, uh, in the rooms and that's how it used to be and it's not like that anymore or at least as they got away from that you know towards later in my career but yeah back in the back in the beginning of my career and probably till uh maybe about till the new cba or, or so 
yeah, it was just it was just freely. You just had a traveling drug dealer at all times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. So I mean, with this constant pressure to just play to play injured, do you feel like the NFL really prioritizes their, you know, their players and their players' well-being, or is it more about just get in there and do what you got to do? It's definitely about getting there and do what you got to do. Um. Now I've I have not been like as I guess outspoken. I've spoken more on you know the healing effects of you know CBD. We're just trying to get away from pain pills, mm-hmm. but especially in this past year with the with the things that I've gone through, you know the I feel like the NFL has shown their true colors more than anything with how they treat you know players. And I've seen some of the stories. Um, I was looking at one of the stories of one of the offensive linemen who is is having a grievance with the NFL now because he's saying he needs surgery and they're saying he's okay to play. And so it's a back and forth battle. And, you know, for me personally, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, he's probably making the right decisions by making sure he's okay before he returns. Things I'm going through now, like I just had a thumb fusion, you know, my right hand, I'm right-handed. I can't even use my right hand, you know, very I, well. I remember when I first met you, I went to shake your hand, and you were like, well, use the other one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's literally that much pain you're in from just injuries you sustain that far back. Yeah, and then the injuries are not – when I hurt this, they told me I bruised it, told me to, to get back out. I remember I got into it with the training staff because I'm like, I can't, you know. And come to find out later, they misdiagnosed it. It was broke. I had really bad arthritis because it healed back, deformed, and and so. But you know, their solution is here. You know, take some pills. You know, sure. to get a little treatment and get back on the field and play. Sure, because they're not thinking about not even after your retirement, but they're just thinking about the next game where you have to consider also the longevity of your career. Yeah. Like right, like if I get injured in this game, does that knock me out for how many more, or make my career end short than I could have played longer? And uh, they're probably not thinking of any of that, right? That's uh, all your problem. Yeah, like they always say, you can't make the club in the tub, you know. And that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, you know, you got to be available, you've got to be on the field, and they don't care how you do it. Uh, they just want you out there. Sure. And so, you know, for us, you know, that's what you learn. You learn to, you know find whatever ways you need to to get back on the field so you can, you know, play and perform mm-hmm. and do your job. And, you know, that's just how and, it is. And so now after your retirement, and I don't know, maybe while you were even playing, you talked about um, just dealing with the usage of pills. And now that, you know, you're out of the game, you still kind of maybe have some residual addiction issues or, you know, kind of self-medicating to deal with what you have going on. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. You you get used to that culture of turning to medication or pills for everything. And then, especially once you get out of football, you're trying to figure out how to cope with the pain. But it's weird because it's like now I'm hurting, but I'm not hurting for a a reason. You know, back before it was like, yeah, I was in pain, but it's because, you know, I was playing. And it's, you know, I take the pills so I can get right and play, but now, it's like I'm hurting, but I'm not playing anymore. So now how do I cope with it? Because I don't need to take pills to get back on the field, but yet I still want to find a way to deal with this pain that I'm having. Yeah. And, 
And is it more than just the physical pain? But I'm, I'm thinking there must be some emotional pain from this roller coaster of what your life was of this constant adrenaline and then downtime. And now you're just kind of like the dust settled. Uh, I mean, I don't know, personally for me, and I think most people we are always looking for this peak in our life, like, oh, it's going to get better. What am I going to accomplish next? And I think once you win a Super Bowl, like that's going to be a hard one to top. So is it just kind of like now you come back down to earth with the rest of us humans? And the one thing I can say career wise, yeah, you know, you you play a Super Bowl, you get to that level and now, you know, you come back and you're trying to transition into, you know, life without football. But, you know, having my two daughters, uh, my two daughters, Jasmine and Ashanti, they are 19 and 16, uh, and you know they're what they're what keep me motivated. You know they keep me driven, and it probably keep me sane as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's what everyone always says: the best day of your life is when your kids are born. So you you probably have like three best days then. <laughs> well, I got two. Well, yeah, because the yeah. Super Bowl. But yeah, I don't know about that though. I, no. I remember when my kids were born, that, that mentally scarred me. <laughs> <laughs> scarred. That's yeah. a rough word. <laughs> I'd say give it. You know, once they clean them off and then they bring them to you, you hold them. It, yeah. Yeah. It, then that makes it better. <laughs> kind of fucks with your head a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, so but so all this that led up to it, the pain, the mental pain, any of that, you've really found some relief with CBD. So tell me a little bit how that came about. I know you said um, the bottle sat there for a while when we talked earlier. Yeah. And my mother really, I you know, obviously I work in cannabis, CBD. I tried the same thing with her because she has arthritis, she has these spine issues, and she was terrified of it because she thought like, oh, drugs, bad. But in the meanwhile, she's been on Percocet and all these different other painkillers. But the bottle sat there for you for a different reason because you kind of dismissed it, right? Well, yeah, I thought the same thing because I've never been a big, um, uh, I've never been a big marijuana uh, person because, you know, it does help me, you know, to sleep and to do things like that. But I've just never been, you know, one of the type of person that can do it and, you know, function out in the world or carry on conversations with people. So oh, we, we talked, neither am I. Like, I, I want to go home and just like watch TV and laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when they first came and told me, you know, CBD, I'm like, what is CBD? Oh, it's cannabis. And, and so, you know, my thought was, oh, this is the same thing. All it's going to do is just get me high. And then, you know, I'm, and so I just kind of left it there. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm not just going to get high from a, you know, a different form of high, uh -huh. you know. So, yeah, it sat there for about two weeks before I finally, you know, was talked into trying it. And when I tried it and I was like, I was like, wow, you know, this is actually like, it didn't get me high, but it helped me sleep. It helped me relax a little bit. And so I, I was pretty, you know, amazing, you know, wanted to learn more about it at that point. And uh, do you know what dosage you take, or what ended up being an effective amount for you? Uh, well, I do the hundred, uh, not hundred, the thousand milligrams. Uh -huh. Yeah, so I do the thousand milligrams, and uh, I usually do you know one or two, you know, the Dropper. droplets full. Yeah, very cool. And that's been great for me. All right, and do you feel that helps with pain and also any um, mental effects as well? Does it? Because a lot of people will use that for anxiety, depression, aside from just chronic pain. Do you feel overall well-being, or is it just a physical relief? No, you do. I think it is a little more because you do get a little sense of, of relaxation. And for me, just sleeping better, 
is because I don't sleep well at all, and I've never slept well since I was a kid, and that kind of just like triggers more things, you know. So now you wake up, you're, you know, you're tired, you don't want to get up, you're drowsy, you're irritated, and you know, being able to get a good night's sleep, I feel, is just key to a lot of, a lot of other benefits. That's um, I I share that with you as well. I actually woke up and started reviewing the things for today's interview between two and four this morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, well, I can't sleep anyway. Let me just knock this out. Maybe I could sleep in a little later. So uh, yeah, good night's sleep is pretty big. Now, um, so one thing I noticed when I was looking up NFL testing is the testing window ends in early August, but it starts on 420. Is that them just screwing with you guys? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not sure the exact date of start. That, when I Googled yeah. it, that's what it said. It said between <laughs> April 20th and early August. But does that sound right? Yes, yeah, usually it starts in uh, off-season workouts. Yeah. And you can get tested, you know, at any time for uh, street drugs. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, and if you don't get tested during off-season or uh, the OTAs mini camp, then you'll get tested in training camp. Okay, but it's really just a window. So if you're not, if you don't test positive within that window, then the rest of the year you're kind of fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, are they testing for CBD or just THC? I, honestly, I don't really know what they test for. They give, yeah. they give us a list, and the list is like it's like a <laughs> booklet. And then, really, oh wow. And then the funny thing is, and then they don't, you know, it's like put it in layman terms, please, because they list all the medical names oh, of yeah. everything like, you're not supposed <laughs> to have. And it's like, listen, you just take the paper and just throw it out. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So it's 15 words and it means Tylenol. Uh, <laughs> I, I never would take multivitamins when really? I was when I was playing because I was just always nervous that it could have some because, like I said, the list was so long of everything that, you know, you could test positive for wow. that it really like made you not not want to take anything wow so have you kind of now to either current or former players talked about like hey i found a lot of relief with this this is another alternative have you been able to convert anyone i'm not sure if i've converted anyone that's a good question well i know well not players um no i have had some players uh reach out to me after you know seeing my stories yeah, or at times that i was talking but I know some, you know, friends, family, uh, and other people have reached out to me and, you know, tried it or, you know, been interested in learning more about it because of of seeing, you know, how it's helped. Because your testimonial of like, yeah, this was really a, because like you said, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that A, it comes from cannabis, you're not going to get high, and it actually can be as effective as some of the harder pharmaceutical drugs. So it's a, it's kind of a hard sell, but so what do you think it would take for the NFL to start to consider this as an allowable treatment? Uh, it probably would take for them to make money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> the answer for everything, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, if they, if they make money off of it, then it would be okay. I, I think that's the same answer for when our government's gonna legalize <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, is there any kind of activism people can do to say like, hey, this is uh, something we want to have a general acceptance? Is there anyone out there trying to rally for that? Yeah, there are. You have a lot of people. Uh, I know uh, Marvin Washington, he he does a lot you yeah. know, for pushing it with 
Athletes for Care, you know, Riley Cote, uh, Todd Hermans. Yeah, so Athletes for Care, if you want to talk about, that's a great organization. I, I've met, you know, a lot of those guys through there and uh, our, our organization as well and JCBA that I help run. We do a lot of work with them. So if you want to talk about Athletes for Care, um, also we'll do that. And then I have another question for you, a follow up. Uh, yeah, Athletes for Care has been amazing just as far as reaching out to former players and allowing them to have a platform to, you know, give the testimonies and, and, you know, try to reach out to people. And it's amazing that it's so many different, you know, backgrounds mm-hmm. that come from it. So you have, you know, anything from football to MMA to hockey to women's rugby. Yeah. yeah. I played it, rugby, by the way. Oh, you did? I did, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so actually, if you want to get your 50th sack on the way out of here, <laughs> I think we have an Ironman helmet out there. We can make this happen. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I really, Too late. Yeah, I really regret not getting that 50th sack. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I still want to go back and look at film and uh and, and challenge some of the ones they cheated me. <laughs> get that extra half moved up. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, I did my homework. Um, okay, cool. So, yeah, um, one of the people I met was um, Lawrence Taylor because he started Diamond CBD. And uh, he was a really big proponent of it because of CTE. And same with uh, when I talked to Riley Cody, that was something he said. And um, so what's your thoughts on CTE? And also some of the players I've heard are talking about now because your brain is not developed to a certain age about getting letting young kids play and I know you said you coach high school football which is awesome and I said they have like the best coach in the world probably but um what do you feel about the effects of CTE on players CBD helping it um you know people at a young age who could possibly be affected just what are your thoughts uh you know CTE is it's a it's a tough thing it's something that you can't prevent it in football and I always tell people, you know, do I sometimes, you know, do I worry about that? Yeah. You know, sometimes you notice things that, you know, where you're very forgetful, things that you should remember easily, you know, you just can't. And you you worry about it, but, you know, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would. Yeah. Um, But I just feel like the, the... whole push for the cbd for you know just trying to research for for cte and all of these things it's like why not if you have a option out there that Mm -hmm. can really help people you know why not you know this is not like where you look at these the things nowadays with the jewel pods (laughs) and you know all of these uh uh, vaping devices that they just put on the market without even having any type of knowledge of what the you know effects are but yet when it comes to you know cbd which is something that's natural that could help with the cte and things like that i just feel like you know that's they're just really you know not helping and with the you know with kids you know it, it, it's a tough call because I know football numbers are down in a lot of places because a lot of parents are, you know, nervous about it and they're trying to, you know, wait or let, you know, the kids, you know, or either hold them out altogether or wait and let them maybe get to high school first before they start to play. So it's a tough call. I know at our school they uh, they put these guardian caps on the kids so it's a uh, it's like a big pad that goes on top of the helmet 
So, you know, when they practice, they have these things on all the time. And, you know, it's, it's ways out there to just try to limit, you know, a lot of these impact. Uh, they've been limited a lot of, you know, the amount of time that you can have contact on the field with the kids, you know, okay. as, as far as them hitting each other. So they're trying to take steps. That's good. That's good that they're trying. Because I, I think it would be a shame to lose as part of American history. Like you said, the numbers are down. But we do want to make sure we're protecting, you know, kids while their brains are still developing. But um, so I know you've said you've had to play on through, like that you were never officially diagnosed as a concussion, but you've basically had to play through concussions. So, um, and you've talked about like players helping each other. Like, what does that involve? Like, how how out of it are you? Is it like which way do I run, or is it just like remind me what the play is? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's well, you know which way to run, but you know as far as the plays, you'll it'll be times where you get dinged and. You'd be like, yo, like, hey, let me know what I got on this, you know, on his calls. Like, uh, tell me, you know, help me out. And I remember one play in general. Uh, it was when I was with the Eagles, and it was a Sunday night game against the Giants. And I caught the running back running across the field, and he never saw me. And I hit him so hard that, you know, he, he, was, he was asleep before he hit the ground. Wow. And my adrenaline and everything was going so much, and I was, you know, just so pumped up. And it, it was the second-to-last play of the half because after that, the Giants had to kick a field goal, and we went in the locker room. And I remember when I got in the locker room and everything started settling down, and I was like, I was like, yo, like, I'm out of it. I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, hey, yo, can y'all bring me some of the ammonia things? Like... <laughs> And, you know, when I went back out there, I said to my teammates, like, yo, yo, you know, like, if I need help, you know, just just, just watch me at first. Make sure I'm cool. And, yeah. and uh, But you, you don't, you're not going to say anything because you, you want to keep playing. And, you know, if you go out, then then you look, you know, you look weak, you look bad. And, you know, having concussions is something that you could possibly be out for, you know, more weeks if you have that. So you just are like, you know what? I'm not even saying nothing. And then how long does it take you to come back to? Like, by the end of the day, you're like, all right, I'm good, or can that linger? It can linger. It, yeah. yeah, it depends, you know, on it. And I think one of the things, too, especially for older players, you we were taught if you got days, you shake it off. Like, yeah. back in the day, it wasn't, you know, all of this stuff. So that's how we were taught. If you get days, you know, shake it off, you know. When you get your bearings back, all right, get back out there. So your injury was not even because you got hit. It was because of how hard you just hit yourself on another human. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty badass, actually. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. So um, tell me a little bit about the CBD line you got involved with. It's uh, called Fresh Farms CBD, right? Yeah, so I got involved in Fresh Farms um, was, uh, a few years ago, I think. And... You know, it, it's been great, and we've been doing a lot of expanding, uh, working with other, you know, athletes, and uh, we've got beauty care lines now, too, as well. You know, just, you know, introducing, putting CBD in so many different things, you know, mm -hmm. so we're not just doing, you know, edible ways to do it. We even have the CBD flowers for people, you know, that want to, you know, maybe a different alternative of something that they could smoke or, or and and it's a, you know. And so what made you go with that company? Are they doing anything a little bit different with the, where they source it from or the quality, or you just kind of like the people running it? 
Yeah, I liked it. I got introduced to the people running it, and I thought it was a you know, great opportunity to get involved. Uh, they're out in California, and this was back when, you know, California was, you know, I think, you know, it, it wasn't as popular in other states yeah. as it was in California. And so being involved with them, uh, it's, it's a good quality product. And, you know, you, you can get products, you know, for, with zero THC in them, you know, just straight CBD for people that don't want to, you know, that don't want to have the THC or, you know, that are nervous about that part of it. So you've uh, you've played in some fr- cannabis-friendly states and some really conservative ones as well. Have you noticed different attitudes the different places you've lived? Oh yeah. Because yeah. was Washington had they legalized when you were there? I don't know if they did or not. I don't believe they did. Um, I know I was in Virginia though because uh, the Redskins facility is in Virginia. Okay. So you know D.C. is is separate. Oh okay. From that. But, yeah, I know. D.C. has a very interesting mode of legalization down there. It's um, you can buy this pencil and you get a free eighth with it. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, that's their, uh, that's their model down there. But, uh, you that's know. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You could go on websites and they're literally selling, like, art that someone just made in the back room for whatever price they want to sell the cannabis for. But, um, yeah, it's... um. And then New York and Philly, I mean, we're just falling so far behind on the East Coast here, you know. If you when you go out to California, it's just a whole different world out there. Oh, this this area is so corrupt. Um, yeah. I, I always talk to people coming from, you know, being born and raised in Michigan and you know, being in Wisconsin for 7 years and I I came out to this area and it is amazing, <laughs> you know, the simplest things. I always joke with people. I say, you can't, if your air conditioner broke in your house, you can't even get a new air conditioner to replace it without having to get a permit and go through, <laughs> you know, go through people and get permission. Like You that. have to hire a lobbyist. Yeah. <laughs> everything is minor. Like, they control everything out here. And yeah. I think that's why, you know, this area is, is lagging so much in it because, you know, people want the control. They want the power. And they want the money. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's um it's rough in New Jersey and honestly I think we should have had legalization already a couple times and that's what it came down to was just you know a couple votes from the right people and you talk to the politicians sometimes and privately they know that it's the right thing to do. They say, "Oh yeah, I I I would like to legalize. I think it's fine." You know that but then publicly that's not their voter demographic. That's not where their support or their money's coming from. And you're right, it's literally that corrupt. And I, I think that's probably, like you kept saying with the NFL, when it's financially, when it makes sense. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, that's so much of what cannabis is. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what changes that, but uh, it, it'd be great if, you know, people like yourself, Athletes for Care, the NFL, I mean, they're so powerful if we could really mobilize that influence. But, um I mean, I don't know if you remember a couple Super Bowls ago, they tried to have that cannabis commercial for acreage and they censored it because they wouldn't even play a cannabis commercial during the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah, so it's um, they're really keeping it at arm's length right now. But uh, I don't know. So, um, yeah, any, um, any kind of cannabis stories within the NFL that you're like, I don't know, players using it or players not or... <laughs> Just any any kind of like funny experiences you've had? Um, 
with without outing any people or saying any names. Okay, I know this. I know this one story, and you know, I, I yeah, I won't tell any stories <laughs> about uh, any of my teammates. <laughs> Just people you don't like, then. <laughs> so, I know this one guy, and uh, you know, this guy may or may not be me, mm-hmm. but I remember the first time he decided to try an edible or make an edible and never realized that the edible took so long to you know kick in and ate maybe three big brownies (laughs) (laughs) i've heard this story yep yeah and so all i know is when the next morning came that person was still (laughs) done (laughs) so this person went to work and you know was in the facility at breakfast and could not understand what people were saying (laughs) to him just it took till it took till practice was over before this person finally started to get (laughs) you're like i got a concussion during breakfast (laughs) i have no idea how it happened (laughs) Yeah, that that was a very uh, interesting story. That's funny. That's a really common tale because people don't know it takes two hours to kick in. They have this phrase out in Colorado, start low, go slow, you know. But I, I think so many people have done that. Also, sometimes you get high and brownies are delicious. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to have a couple of these. But, um, yeah, I've... Um, and into some people, you know... Uh, you know, a, a brownie serving varies from person to person. Mm-hmm. So some people might be used to, you know, brownie this size and other people might be used to brownies this size. Sure. So sure. When you eat, you know, a few brownies this size. <laughs> and and this is, I, I don't want to talk about myself, but so the, I got my start making a brownie mix. And one of the things that it remedies is there's emulsifiers in the mix. And because the problem is, especially when you're making them at home, when you make edibles in a commercial environment, they stir that batch for hours. When you do it at home, you stir it for, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute. So one brownie might have five milligrams and the one next to it might have 40. So you could be sitting there not high and your friend is seeing the face of God and you're like, <laughs> what's going on over there? And it's because you have hot spots in your batter. So um, that's another thing with, regula- with regulation. If we legalize, we're gonna have dosed brownies and edibles where you can kind of control that and make it predictable like you would with medication and we're also going to have um what was i gonna say oh um better quality and just you know we can uh, oh i was gonna say they're going to how you said you don't know what a serving is they're going to like a candy bar would have to have marks to break it it would have to be demarcated so you know what 10 milligrams is so you're not like oh, a brownie's four servings. Who the hell would think that? A brownie's a brownie, you know? So these are all things we're we're hoping to solve with legalization. And I I mean, in California, this is already done. In Colorado, it's done. We're just hanging out here in the the Stone Ages out in Jersey. Yeah, and and I think that's a good point too because uh, I think just with that and the knowledge, because I know in Michigan, you know, where they have dispensaries and and things as well where you can get edibles, it tells you, you know, mm-hmm. and being able to educate people more on it so that 
things like you know what happened to that guy that guy yeah (laughs) so things like that don't happen yeah and you know once people are more educated and they you know know and like you said and you you can control the doses better and uh and the intake and 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 even i have that story i mean i was showing up to a, a graphic design job so no chance of injury but i was still sitting there stupid like my boss was telling me things and the second he walked away i was like i have no idea what i'm doing here (laughs) (laughs) just gonna stare at the screen and pretend (laughs) so i think we all have that story like please let this day (laughs) (laughs) yep yep when you wake up the next day you're just and then there there was one time i uh that happened to me and i had morning meetings and so i just kept calling my ex-husband and being like babe can i talk on the phone yet he's like no you're still too dumb (laughs) and i would just call him every hour till about noon one o'clock and he's like all right you can start taking calls i was like all right great um all right so last thing one thing we like to do on the show here is talk about firsts so um you could do either or you could do both but your first time getting high i would say what was that about or and your first time you said I can do this professionally as a career playing football. First time getting high. I remember I was in high school. The first time I tried to get high, it didn't work out well. <laughs> and I, you know, you have it. You, you don't know how to inhale properly or whatever. But uh, yeah, we were we were at a basketball tournament, and I tried. And I tried it, and it didn't work out. It didn't work out well. I didn't get high. So then later on, when I tried it again, and it did, so uh-huh. again, I was like, "Whoa!" Like you know, <laughs> you're like, like what is this? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's my first time uh, getting high. Uh, the first time I realized that I could play uh, play football as a career, or it was an option to do that. Uh, it was in college. I would say. Uh, right before my junior year in college and when I first went to college I didn't think NFL was an option for me uh, I went to Central Michigan and there we had one player from the school that was in the NFL and he was like a 10-year vet mm-hmm. and so we just didn't you know the Mac wasn't scouted as much as it is now so I didn't think it was an option but once my brother I, I, I see I really did my homework I read that it was the only um division one school you were offered right Right. and then uh but it wasn't one of the big 10 but you think it actually worked out better right it did yes yeah it was a blessing in disguise because i think if i would have went to a bigger school i may not have got moved down to the defensive line and the fact that i went to central i was the heaviest linebacker at 225 pounds my freshman year and I played as a true freshman a little bit at linebacker, but we had four senior defensive ends that year. And so when all of them graduated, we they needed defensive ends. And since I was the heaviest linebacker, they, you know, they asked me if I would move down, and I was like, sure. So I went down the defensive line, and I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> at first it was rough. But like I said, when, when my brother got drafted, and he was drafted second round, and me and Chris used to compete all the time. <laughs> I think I competed a lot more, you know, than he did. Because to me, everything is a competition. And the the younger one usually has something to prove, right? Right. Yeah. So I was always just, you know, trying to beat him and trying to, 
you know, show him up or, or do things. But, yeah, once, you know, once he got drafted and I saw he started playing and doing it, it motivated me to feel like, you know, that it was a possibility. Okay. And then um, <clears throat> then after that, you went over to Europe for a while, right? Yeah, well, because I first signed with Green Bay as undrafted free agent. Yeah. They cut me. I didn't, you know, there was a time there that I didn't think that it was going to happen. So I even did. though you had that first moment of like, yeah, I'm going to do this, then you kind of got the wind sucked out of you, and you're like, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm not the biggest defensive lineman in the world. And so I can remember when I, uh, when I first got to Green Bay and I saw the size of some of those defensive linemen. I'll never forget to this day when uh, there's a, a guy named uh, Turdale Sands, and he's about 6'8". Uh, he was 300-something pounds. And when I first saw him, I looked at him. I was like, man, I'm never going to play. <laughs> and, but, you know, you get out in the field, and, you know, once you start playing, and, you you know, you realize, you're like, man, I can really compete with some of these guys, you know, because I was a little intimidated at first because you had so many, you know, players from big-name schools, and, you know, you kind of feel like, yeah, maybe they're that much better than me. But when I went to Europe is when I really got my confidence back after being cut because you know I started getting a lot of attention from scouts from other teams and you know even my teammates and coaches were you know like you know man this kid can play you know like you pretty good and so I was you know doing better than players who had you know had played years on on NFL teams already and so that really encouraged me a lot and kept me working towards it. That's awesome. And 13 years is a pretty long career. So if you had told that kid back then, like, oh, no, you're you're, you're going to do this for a long time. You're going to win a Super Bowl. Would you ever have believed it? Never. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, I say I'm such an overachiever. Like, I've definitely overachieved in, <laughs> in my career. But so. that probably means you're a really hard worker. Yeah. So that's usually who uh, the people who rise above what they ever thought. It's because they dedicate themselves. I, t I always tell people, though, it's the difference between it's the difference between working hard and working smart. And yeah. I always tried to work smart. You know, I didn't try to, you know, do unnecessary things. I tried to do things that would, you know, really help me. I, got, I will always tell the younger guys, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, you know, try to, you know, try to perfect your strengths and try to, you know, be able to keep your weaknesses from being exposed. And so that was kind of my approach to football. I think that's pretty good <laughs> life advice and anything you'd want to do. Yeah. All right, let, let, let's end up on that. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything with your line, with yourself, anything coming up? Uh, just uh, check out freshfarmcbd.com. You know, look at the products. We've got everything from, you know, CBD oils to, to rubs to beauty care products. Um, besides that, just like to give a shout-out to my daughters, uh, Jasmine and Shanti. Love you guys. Hi, uh, Jasmine and Shanti. Uh, Your dad's awesome. You guys keep <laughs> me motivated, so, you know, keep doing a great job. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for being on. Um, everyone, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Tara Masu. Love you all and keep on trailblazing. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trailblazing with Tara Masu. Trailblazers, if you could take one moment and go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and leave a review, it really helps other cannabis supporters find us and it would mean the world to me. We have new episodes every week, so make sure you're subscribed so you're always getting the latest trailblazing content. 
I would love to connect and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as Blazin Bakery. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N Bakery. Check out BlazinBakery.com for awesome cannabis products, including our new CBD pet line, Blazin Barkery, a company I founded with my dog, Diablo. As always, my name is Tara Masu. Love you all and keep on trailblazing. <laughs>